Pulp MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. I know this is shocking, but from the very get-go, I have been your host. My name is Jason Thomas. It is Tuesday, May 31st, and uh, wow, what a weekend I had. Um, For those of you who live under a rock, which I don't know how you would ever find this podcast otherwise, but it was uh, my debut weekend helping the Mav TV crew doing the pit reporting side and uh, yeah, it kind of absorbed my entire life for a couple days leading up to it and um, kind of been covering it with, you know, all the Pulp MX shows and Racer X shows and everything the last few days. So I won't get into it a ton on here. Um, if you want to hear a recap, I would steer you there just to get way more in depth because honestly, this I don't want this podcast to be about me. That's not, a, it's not what you're tuning in for. Um, and I thought we did a really good job of kind of explaining my trials and tribulations throughout the weekend. Uh, so anyway, let's, let's just talk about the racing. But before we do, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast who have been uh, kind of by my side since the beginning. We haven't had a lot of turnover on this show. Yeah, some, some companies come and go, right? I get it. That's the natural progression um, of sponsorship of these shows. I, I watched it on Steve's show for years before I ever had my own. But Pirelli Tires was the first on, and they have been the title sponsor ever since. Check out their uh, new range of uh, Scorpion MX32 Midsoft Mini Tires. Everybody's getting ready for Loretta's. Pretty normal right now. The regionals were ongoing this weekend. And uh, hopefully, like at Washougal, there was pretty muddy. Because uh, that's, you know, I, I live in Idaho now, and most everybody had made their way over to Washougal this weekend, and it rained like hell. So I would bet a lot of those uh, MX-32s were broken out and uh, were helping people get great starts in the, uh, I don't even want to say soft because it just turns into like slop over there. That base is super hard, but on top of it, man, it gets really, really bad. So thank you to, for, thank you to Pirelli for uh, all of their support. I'll get to, uh, I'm actually not going to get to see Josh Whitmire from Pirelli, but he is going to the uh, Thunder Valley National, so that'll be a cool experience. Want to thank Guts Racing, Andy Gregg. I actually need to uh, send him some new kinetic mesh. He wants to wear the Rockstar version, of course, because he is uh, a huge part of their effort. He, uh, they make the graphics and seat covers for the Rockstar Husqvarna team. And RJ Hampshire getting a third place in Moto1 this past weekend at Paula. Plum Creek Funding. If you haven't done anything about your, your mortgage, if you haven't bought a house, if you haven't done anything that I've told you to do over the last two and a half years. And literally, I've been telling you to do it for two and a half years now. You got to do it. You have to act because it's not going to get better anytime soon. And you've, and 
to be completely transparent, you've already missed a huge window. It's not great timing right now, but I do believe that it's going to get worse before it gets better. So if you have a really high interest rate and you're looking at like, you know, a 5% and you're like, man, that's still better than what I have. Great. Go do that. Now there are still deals available. There are ways to uh, kind of circumnavigate the system. And that's what I would recommend to you. So reach out to Zach Morris over there at Plum Creek Funding. Uh, you can reach him at 720-212-4685. I believe that's the number. Could be wrong. But reach out to Zach at Plum Creek Funding anyway. And uh, just ask, what can I do? You know, maybe I'm late, but what can I do? I want to thank Worst Connection. I'm going to get to see uh, their offices on Friday. I'm going to go see Eric and the crew um, and just check out the home base for Worst Connection over in Sacramento area. Looking forward to that. Fast Foundry, spoke with uh, Robert the other day and I uh, was kind of sharing how nervous I was going into, uh, into the weekend. But if you have any questions, uh, small business, big business, they work with Fortune 500 companies, they put on live events, they put on virtual events, uh, they can do anything and everything that your business may require. So please reach out to them and see what, uh, how they can help. Pro Glow Wash, we will have the Pro Glow question of the week today. I already picked it out. And uh, it will be towards the end of the show. Thank you to Ryan and the Pro Glow crew for everything that they do. Um, Grant Stone Boots and Fly Racing. So thank you to them. Thank you for your patience working through those sponsors. They are incredibly important for me to, uh, to get this show done. So let's start with the 250 class. And I think that deservingly so, you just have to start with Jet, right? He was absolutely incredible on the day. Every time I turned around, I was having to talk to him on the podium. Um, you know, he wasn't your fastest qualifier, though, shockingly. Uh, Seth Hamaker was. And I say shockingly on both fronts because I had no expectation of Seth being your fastest qualifier. Like, that was wild to me. I just did not see that coming at all. Maybe I should have because you figure he's probably been riding Paul a ton, right? He, he wasn't racing Supercross because of an injury. So I would bet he's just been pounding laps at Paula in preparation for this race. So maybe I should have been more expectant of that, but I, I wasn't. But Jet was just incredible once the gates dropped. And, you know, I spoke with him right after both motos and seriously, like he wasn't tired at all. He really didn't even look like he had put out much effort. And, but if you watch his race, why would he? Like he had the lead early in both motos. You know, once he finally got around Justin Cooper in the first moto, and I, I that's pretty terrible um, alliteration there. I say was in the lead all day and then finally got around Justin Cooper. Anyway, he made his way around Justin Cooper. Didn't seem like there was a ton of urgency there. Just kind of waited, waited him out, made his move when it was time. And, uh, that was it. Like he was unchallenged really the rest of the day. He was at the front in the second moto pretty much right away and no one could really go with him. He was just kind of just putting in laps and, I viewed it as, you know, he sees his brother in second or, you know, Shimoda was in second for a lot of the moto and then Hunter in third. I don't think he has really much fear about those guys. You know, he rides with his brother all the time. He's friends with Shimoda. So he kind of knows what Shimoda has and doesn't have. So why would you be fearful of those guys, right? You're just going to put in your laps and do your thing. And yeah, there, there are going to be days this year where I think Hunter is just feeling it. And, you know, like he went 1-1 at Southwick last year. So there might be some times like that. But I think more often than not, Jet's going to be extremely comfortable at the front. 
and these guys are going to have a hell of a time doing anything about it. So we'll see, right or wrong, but that's just what I, I see, you know, the, the foreshadowing, like the writing is on the wall. Jet is going to be dominant in this series. Doesn't mean he's unbeatable. I don't want to get carried away. I just think at 18 years old, the presence, the patience, all those things you see with him are very uncommon. And these guys are, the job's only going to get tougher, right? It's going to get harder from here to deal with him as he gets more mature, as he figures things out. And he's growing like by leaps and bounds. I don't want to say every weekend, but certainly by each series that goes by, he's just getting better and better. He's, you know, understanding how to manage races much more effectively. And this is after a season last year where he only had a couple weekends that weren't phenomenal. Like the last run at, you know, Hangtown was pretty bad, but most of those races, he was already great. So he's a year older, he's a year wiser, he's a year more mature. So really in essence, good luck, good luck to everybody else. And I'm sure Hunter knows all too well what he's up against. He has a practice with him every day. But to me, you saw the best two guys in this series out front. And I want to say Justin Cooper is going to be in that mix, but I just don't know. Coming off injury, dealing with you know the challenges he, he seems like he's facing already after another incident, um, it could be a, a lot of red out front this summer in the 250 class. Shimoda, I kind of mentioned, but a uh, really nice day for him. Uh, he's good at this track. He's ridden this track a ton. So if you're going to expect him to do well at a particular track, I feel like this was it, and yeah, he, he got it done. Podiums are what he's paid to do, right? I don't necessarily think he's paid to win races and championships. Doesn't mean Mitch wouldn't, doesn't want that, or Mitch doesn't quietly expect that. I just don't think he, his expectations are as high as, say, like Jets are, and that's just, that's just how I see it. Uh, Austin Forkner, decent day, and I don't, I don't know where I come down on this because I, I really expected more from Forkner. Like I wanted to see some serious like flash from him. Like I wanted to see him at the front, pushing the pace, setting the fastest qualifying time, getting hole shots, really taking you know Jet to task. And I didn't really see any of that. It wasn't a bad day. And if you're going to compare it to last year, then I think you have to be happy with it because last year he was really off the pace most of the season. So comparing the two, you'll take it, right? Running around the top five all day, looked pretty strong, looked fit. Um, there was nothing bad about the day. I just wanted a little bit more flash from him. And that, that's just where I came down on it. Um, you know, Austin Forkner has some of the best speed and style and, and raw talent in this class. And I just want to see that on display. I don't want to see him battling with kitchen and these other guys I, I truly believe he needs to be above that he needs to be ahead of those guys and he's paid to be ahead of those guys so um, i don't think he was thrilled with his day i'm sure he wants more i'm sure his team wants more um so we'll just we'll see how he bounces back at hangtown uh the, you know the, the first round is always so weird for a lot of these guys it's a feeling out process you've been riding supercross forever then you switch to outdoors and Sometimes the bike doesn't feel great. Sometimes you don't feel that confident or comfortable with the pace or lots of things. So um, just something to keep an eye on with Forkner and, and really just kind of where my expectations uh, were on the day.
Justin Cooper, that was not the day that you wanted. Uh, I don't know where he came in preparation-wise, right? You can speculate, you ask around, everybody's gonna tell you the same thing. Oh, wait, great, we're ready. We're gonna go win, we're perfect. Like, we're on the same level as last year. You just get all those answers, and sometimes they don't know, but that's just a standard answer you always kind of get. And so I try to not put any, any real faith in that, and I go off of what I see. And unfortunately, we don't know because he gets in a crash with Hamaker in the qualifying session in the morning on these stupid fake starts. And then we have to guess because the motos weren't good, right? He leads a few laps. He looks like he has speed and then just goes backwards. And then the second moto was even worse. So was that, the, que- the real question comes down to, was that a product of him not being prepared or was that a product of the crash in the morning and a weak shoulder. We're not gonna know. He's not gonna tell us. I don't see any reason why they would come out and be really transparent, unfortunately. That's just kind of how this sport operates, as we know. So we're gonna have to guess at it. And I think next Saturday will tell us all we need to know. The conditions will be similar, mid-70s. It's not gonna be brutal or anything like that. If he fades again and is running around in 10th or 12th most of the day, then we get our answer. He's just not to the level of preparation that he wanted to be at. And, and I will feel confident with that answer. Doesn't mean he won't race himself into shape and be better in a few weeks. It just means he's not ready yet. Um, had he had that day without the shoulder thing, without the crash with Hamaker, then we would already have our answer. But I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the shoulder was bugging him. They can you know, do a bunch of therapy this week and he comes out and is able to finish off what he was starting on Saturday afternoon. So we'll just, uh, we'll give him, I'm just going to give him a mulligan, excuse me, and uh, we'll see what Hangtown brings. Uh, Handmaker I covered a little bit, um, but you know, the the races, I think he went 8-5, not bad for sure. Better than I would have given him credit for. So pretty decent day there. Uh, But man, the the speed in the morning was just wildly impressive, like crazy good. Um, Way, way more than I would have ever given him credit for. RJ Hampshire, terrible starts, but third in the first moto, he worked his way up. I thought he rode really, really well there, so good job to him there. Um, you know, the, and, and it was weird because his starts have really been money all year. So I talked to him on the podium before the camera went on. I'm like, man, like, dude, you're riding so good. If you can get a start to put on top of that kind of ride, you're going to be like battling for, he got third, but I'm saying like you could be, in the mix to win one of these motos. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like I felt great. I just, I can't start 15th or whatever. Like that's, that's going to always put me behind the eight ball. And you're, when you're dealing with guys like Jet and Hunter and whoever, Forkner and even those guys, you can't give, you can't spot those guys 10 seconds on the first lap. You just can't do it. Or even maybe even more cannot do that. They're too good for that. So we'll see. I'm, I'm sure he's practicing about a million starts this week. Um, that's, you know, just kind of a given after a, a couple of rough starts this week. Uh, Moseman, I just wanted to make a quick note. I can't even believe he raced. Um, that was a spectacular crash in practice, just insanely, uh, I don't re- really know what the word I want to use there, but give him credit for getting up and being able to function after that race. I think he went like 9-4, and he was in second at the beginning of the second moto, and, and you could argue that he should have you know, held on there and gotten second or whatever. 
But if you watch that crash that's on Instagram, you would be shocked just like I am that he was even able to race on the day. Like he deserves a lot of credit for coming back from that and putting in a, a decent day. Now he set some pretty lofty goals for this season. I think he said he wanted to win five races, which is, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I guess it's just on brand for most men. Like his press conferences and the things he says, you're just constantly taken aback by. So that's, I guess, just right in with that same vein for him. Um, but to keep the season going after that crash was, uh, it showed some heart. So, so good for him. Uh, so the, uh, the power rankings are back. We are back for this, uh, this week. I took a few weeks off from the power rankings. Just, you know, the way Supercross was going, it was so predictable. We knew what was going to happen within reason. There were so many injuries. I just kind of want to get away from it and talk about the guys, but I, I think it's time to bring it back. And I think there's going to be some movement because remember, these power rankings are a mixture of a body of work, you know, over time, especially the Supercross season. And then they will be in conjunction with what we see from motocross, right? So it's your body of work. And then there's also some recency bias, right? If you have a really strong weekend, I will weigh that pretty heavily, but I just don't want to be victim of the moment. That's my main focus for these power rankings is take a little bit broader look, a bigger picture look at the season and say, okay, how is this overall? Like if you're graded over the course of what do we had about 18 races now, what is that grade over 18 races? And use that as the guide, not so much as like one round into a new series and like Chase Sexton is the greatest racer in the history of racing. Like I don't want that. I don't want to go crazy with that. I don't want it to be too skewed to one particular weekend. Like if Tomac had one bad moto, that doesn't mean he's not great. He was amazing this year. Jason Anderson, perfect example. He went 8-4 or what do you go? 4-8, excuse me. I don't think that necessarily should ruin his power rankings because if you look at a Supercross season, it was his best year ever, right? So you need to really add that in heavily to get a a great picture of how 2022 has been for him. So if some of these don't necessarily make sense, that's why. Okay. Number 10, starting off Shane McElrath. And I think this is a surprising pick for a lot of people. It was for me when I, when I had to look through the results, see where he landed and keep in mind, people, if you're not racing outdoors, you're out of the power rankings. That's, it seems a little, um, a little strange, I guess, if I'm going to weigh the Supercross season, but I don't want to talk about guys that aren't even racing the whole time, like Mookie. Okay. Mookie's great. I don't think he's going to race outdoors. So I took him out. That doesn't mean he wasn't awesome. He got third in the championship for Supercross. That's a great job by him. Amazing. But I'm not going to put him week, you know, week in and week out in these power rankings when he's not even going to be in the results. That just seems silly. So Number 10, Shane McElrath, and I think he went 11-7 on the day, which is so much better than I thought he was going to do. You know, if you told me he was going to ride around and and pull away, and this is no joke, he pulled away from Jason Anderson in the second moto. Anderson was there. He was like five seconds behind him. He could see him. I could see him looking up at McElrath, being like, okay, I got to go get him. He's the next guy on the list, and he wasn't able to do it. Could not go get him. I think Anderson just wore himself out from passing so many people, but McElrath deserves a ton of credit for coming in, a lot of change, 
chaotic season with you know the former team he was riding for and going away from that, joining Rockstar Husky, not a lot of time to prepare. Um, so I thought that was a great way to start his season. Number nine, uh, Aaron Plessinger. I don't know how I feel about his day. I think he deserves to be in the power rankings, right? He was inside the top 10 most of the day. First moto was pretty good. Um, but at the same time, he's got to be like, seriously, I get beat by Ryan Dungey, who hasn't raced this series since 2016. Like, how is that possible? But I think if you're Aaron, you just have to be like, okay, I'm coming off an injury. I'm not prepared. I'm going to get better. We're going to go to tracks that suit my style more and I will improve, right? You just have to take baby steps and keep the season within reason, right? Don't get too extreme. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And I thought he did a good job of just easing into the season. And that's really what he needed. Just get started on the right foot here. Um, so yeah, not a, not a terrible day, but not, you know, probably not exactly what he was necessarily hoping for either. Um, but good enough for, uh, yeah, to get ninth in the power rankings for this week. So, which I'm sure is all he cared about. I'm sure these power rankings were at the top of his priority list. Number seven, the aforementioned Ryan Dungey and dude, what a freaking ride for that guy. I mean, you're talking like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, he hasn't raced this series since 2016. He injured his neck at Lakewood in 2016, departed the series early and he came back for the 2017 Supercross season and ended up winning the championship. But either way, for him to take that much time off, to be fully retired for that long of a time, and then come out and, and he was running around in third at parts of the moto, like, I don't, under, you know, I don't know if people understand how difficult that would be to do, right? That's just not common. You're not going to see most people to be able to do that. Most comebacks and most returns to a series, especially after a long layoff are incredible failures. They just don't work out. Most oftentimes guys regret doing it and they wish they had been told by someone smart, Hey, this is probably a bad idea. Um, but to his credit, he overcame all that, right? He was the one that was laughing. And I, I said that on the podium. I'm like, hey, if you told me you were going to do this a few years ago, I would have laughed. I would have laughed so hard because I've seen this movie before and it doesn't work. You, you leave disappointed. You leave frustrated. You probably feel like it was a mistake to even be here because guys like Ryan Dungey, they only know one thing and that's winning and that's being at the front, right? They don't know what it's like to be in 10th or 15th and not be able to do anything about it. You look at guys like Chad Reed, he suffered through that. He had to go to LCQs and all these things that I'm sure were really humbling. And that's what I, that's what I saw happening for Dungey. I thought that's what the day was going to bring. And to his credit, it didn't. He was, he rose above all that and he was amazing and, you know, ran around the top five all day. And I think it's only going to get better from here. I really do. I think he's going to find the pace and I think he's going to get more comfortable. And I think we're going to go to tracks that suit him a lot more. And you're going to see him be a podium threat before this is all over. I could see him seriously. I could see him winning a race this year, which is insane to even think about after how long he's been away, but I think it might be coming. Uh, number six, uh, Christian Craig and Craig probably deserves to be higher 
based off of his ride at Paula. But keep in mind, he raced a 250 all of Supercross, right? So he wasn't in this in these power rankings at all. So I have to weigh that also. I can't put him ahead of like, I have number five is going to be Justin Barsha. I can't put him ahead of Barsha. Barsha, his body of work throughout the season was too strong. He, w- he got a ton of Supercross podiums. I just don't think I, I can put Craig ahead of him yet. Now we go to Hangtown. Craig's around the podium again and, and is significantly ahead of Barsha like he was this weekend. Maybe I do, right? That's coming. Um, but I just felt like the way this first round went, it was only fair to, uh, to put Christian Craig at six and just kind of reassess after we get another round under our belts. Uh, number five, the aforementioned Justin Barsha. Kind of an invisible day. I'll be honest. I didn't even see him out there. <laughs> um, maybe I need to pay more attention, but I know he got bad starts, and I know I saw Jason Anderson pass him and kind of check out on him, and that wasn't, uh, yeah, that wasn't a great look. So I don't know what necessarily to make of Barsha's day other than that's not really a Barsha track, right? So if you were thinking that Barsha was going to have a breakout day at that particular venue, then I don't know why you would think that. Like, I don't know what you've been watching or would make you think that other than maybe Barsha is just great at always great at round one. When we get to Colorado and we get especially back East Mount Morris and these rounds, look for Barsha to improve. Like he will get better. The starts will come around, you know, he'll find his outdoor legs. Things will get better for Barsha. But I think starting him at five after a great supercross season and a so, so day at Paula is, uh, is fair. Number four, Ken Roxon, and everybody can freak out. How can you have Roxon here? Blah, blah, blah. I get it. Listen, I understand all that. But at the same time, he was amazing at certain times in Supercross. He won the opening round. Then everything went sideways on him. I got it. But look how good he was again at the opener here. So I'm looking at his whole year, how good he is when he's on, and I feel like he deserves to be at four. Now, it's arguable. I understand if somebody's like, dude, what are you talking about? He had a horrible, horrible Supercross run. Then he left the series. That's fair. I get it. But when I watch Ken Roxon, when he's healthy and he's on, to not have him in the top four, to me, is crazy. He's just too good. Like, he's way too good. So I have him at four, and uh, we'll see. Maybe I have to move him back. If, if summer takes its toll on him again, I won't hesitate to move him back. I'll do it in a heartbeat. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for now and have him at four. Uh, number three, Chase Sexton. And this is where it starts to get interesting, these top three. But I have to remember that the outdoor series is not the only time we've seen racing this year, right? Supercross went on for 17 rounds, and we learned a lot. We saw who was better. We saw who was more consistent. We saw who was available able to avoid mistakes. And more often times than not, the, the two guys ahead of Chase Sexton deserve to be ahead of Chase Sexton. So I'm leaving Sexton at three for now. And just know that this is a very fluid situation. Uh, this could change very, very easily. And you could see Chase Sexton moving up quickly if he continues to ride the way he did this weekend. Uh, number two, I have Jason Anderson and same kind of thing. Like I get it. If you don't agree with this call, 
what do you want, right? He was second in the Supercross Championship. He won seven races. He was fast this weekend. Don't get it twisted that his 4.8 was indicative of his speed this weekend. He was way better than 4.8. But when you start way back in the first one and then you crash on the, in the second turn of the second moto, what do you expect is going to happen? So I, I absolutely expect a significant bounce back at Hangtown. I think Jason Anderson will either be on the podium or fighting for the podium at Hangtown. And I'm going to go off of 17 rounds of seeing how great he is versus just one, you know, bad day of results, but great day of riding. Okay. And I watched him closely. He was on my fantasy team. I was wanted to see if he was the real deal, if he was going to have that same level of intensity that we've seen for five months. And, and I saw it. Now, maybe that's just a Paula dynamic. Maybe he's not going to have that same speed at Mount Morris and Unadilla and Bud's Creek and whatever. But from what I saw at Paula, he looked great. And I think he's ready to continue on with all this momentum uh, than we, that we saw at, uh, during Supercross. Number one, I still have Eli Tomac. And I know it wasn't a good day. I know the first moto was, he went straight backwards. I, I got all of it. But if you look at his Supercross season, you can't tell me he wasn't the best rider on earth throughout you know, the first 13 rounds of Supercross. He just was. He, he was. Week in and week out, there were times where he didn't even really have to try. He just let the race kind of unfold and was clearly the best guy. I think the second moto was better, right? I, I talked to Monster Star Yamaha in between motos, and they took the blame, said basically they steered the bike in the wrong direction, and they were going to fix it. And Tomac was noticeably better in the second moto. Doesn't mean he had anything for Sexton or Roxon, but at the same time, I think he will get better from here. I think if you look at historically his results from Hangtown, he has been an absolute monster at this track, and I would expect him to come out swinging at Hangtown. He will be my pick to be your overall winner at Hangtown. And I'm just going to leave him. I'm going to believe in what I've seen for months on months, and I'm going to believe in how great, you know, he's a three-time Lucas Oil Pro Motocross champion. I saw enough from him to leave him at number one. And again, it's a fluid situation. If he starts to develop a trend where he has absolutely nothing for the likes of Sexton and Roxon, guess what? I'll adjust. And I will, I will absolutely not hesitate to move him backwards. So we'll see. But that's the top 10 for now. I get it. There's wild opinions. And I went back and forth on a few of these picks. It wasn't like just a, it wasn't easy. I, I moved guys around, slid them up, slid them down. Does that make sense? Does that look right? Um, you know, the toughest one I had here, I think I may have even skipped him, was <laughs> I had Dylan Ferrandis at eight. And I don't know why. He just feels like he's supposed to be there. I know he missed the first round. I don't know what his status is. But if you... If you're trying to tell me that he wasn't going to be on the podium this weekend, I would laugh, endless laughs at you, because I know how prepared he was. I know how ready he was for this series. He was going to be on the podium. Now, was he going to beat Sexton and Roxon? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Those guys were just crushing it. But remember how good Ferrandis was last year? Like, I think he's capable of riding with those two. I don't know what the surgery to his thumb means. I don't have any timetable, anything like that, but... If he's not racing this weekend at Hangtown, he's out. So I'm going to leave him at eight. I think he deserves to be in there somewhere, and then we'll, uh, we'll reevaluate next week. I did have an honorable mention. 
Tony Cairoli. Um, I, I'm very thankful, and I think he deserves a ton of respect for coming over and jumping into a series that he's never raced before at 36 years old. He's admitted that he hasn't been training as much as he'd like. I think it was more the track, to be honest, more than anything. That track is really difficult to uh, acclimate to. The conditions are strange. The dirt gets blown out. Like it starts super tacky in the morning, then gets really hard pack, and the bumps are square edged. Coupled with the fact that these guys test there all the time, they've ridden this track a million laps. So you're kind of going to these guys' home track on some level and having to ride it basically two short practices and go their speed. That's a really tough ask. And then he crashes in the first moto and hurts his leg. So it was like anything that could go wrong kind of did. I, uh, I think he'll be better at Hangtown, and I hope he sticks around after that. I don't know if he's going to. I think th- you know there's a great chance that he disappears after the first two. I'm really hopeful that he'll, uh, he'll stick around, though. So we'll just have to see what, um, yeah, what the few, next few weeks bring. So that's your power rankings for this week. Um, I do want to do the uh, Pro Glow question of the week before uh, we wrap this thing up. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter show today, but lots to uh, get into. I do want to cover at some point MXGP and MotoGP from the weekend. Um, I, I think maybe I'll get a chance to, uh, to do that in the, uh, the coming days. But your uh, Pro Glow question of the week this week comes from Billy McMillan. He actually sent about 15 questions, which is insane, and they're all great. But I picked two because I really like these two. Uh, the first one, MXGP has flyaway races to some of the craziest places. How come, they don't, how come they don't come to the U.S. every year? Thailand, South America, really? We can compete with those places providing a track and spectators. Okay, so you're missing the biggest part of this equation, Billy, is that those flyaway races are using appropriated funds from the government and from the venue, okay? So when you go to a track and you're like, how the hell are they in Thailand? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why are they in Indonesia, which they're going in a month? How does that make any sense? Well, financially it doesn't, but these governments want that, you know, they have tourism budgets and they want to bring big sports and big events to their country to increase exposure. And, and, you know, there's a lot of upsides to it. I've been a part of, I went to New Zealand, New Zealand, New Zealand Tourism Bureau sponsored a two week, uh, three week trip with two races on it. They paid for everything, right? Australian Supercross, you know how they can afford to pay those guys so much money to go race. The tourism department appropriates funds for the race to increase, you know, it's a part of just their natural governmental budget to bring sportsmen to, you know, Australia and increase tourism and get a spotlight on all the great things that Australia has to offer. That's why you see them on boats and doing all these cool things is because Australia wants the average person, the average American or whoever, people in England, whatever, to be like, oh, wow, that's that looks amazing in Australia. I want to go there. you right. That, that place has a lot to offer. I need to be there. That's what happens with these races in Indonesia and, and uh, Argentina and all these places where like, how does that make any sense? It's because these governments are stepping up and giving them a ton of money to, to go there. So it's not just about why aren't they coming to America? The, the easy question, why aren't they coming to America is because they're huge money losers is, is your real reason for why they're not coming to America. Um, but I don't honestly think that's going to change. 
just um, they've tried to come to America over and over and over, and it's not working. It's not making any money. They lose money pretty much every single time unless it's a Motocross of Nations event. So I don't think that dynamic's going to change. There's just not enough interest for the purely MXGP riders to come over. They, they would have to have the entire American crowd, I think, or riders go as well to make it successful. And that's, that's not going to happen either. So I think the days of seeing USGPs are done for the foreseeable future. Motocross of Nations will go on. That's a wildly successful event. You're going to see more of that, but USGPs, I think, in the U.S. are done for, uh, for quite a while. Next question uh, is a MotoGP-based question. It says, Mark Marquez has had flashes of past greatness, but with the Honda, seems to be holding him back. Do you see Mark finishing out his career with Honda? I think Mark has two, or two more years at most. Now, I picked this one because it's timely. If you've been following along, you've noted that uh, Mark Marquez is going to have another arm surgery in Minnesota in the coming weeks. And that's a huge blow. Like that sucks for everybody involved. That sucks for the fans. It sucks for Honda. It sucks for Mark. Um, he's just not right. And you, when you watch him ride, you know, I've been the same. I've been wondering like, dude, he just doesn't look like the same guy. You don't necessarily know why, but you can see it. He doesn't look like the same Mark Marquez that created the legend of Mark Marquez. And it's a bummer. I hate to, uh, I hate to see that. I hate to see him suffer more. He brings so much to the sport and this had to be just a brutally difficult decision for him to make. So I'm hoping that this surgery is finally the one he needs to get right, no matter how long it takes, because unless he's going to be back to the level he was, I don't know. I don't know how much longer he would want to be out there either. Like, I don't think he is willing to continue on running around in sixth or eighth or whatever. I just don't, I think he's, he mentally can't handle that. Like he's, he's a champion for a reason. He's so good and so fast and so strong. And he's won eight world titles and that's how he's wired. So to me, he's either going to, they're either going to figure this arm thing out and he's going to get back to the level he was on or he's not. And you're going to see him retire early. To me, those are the two options. I don't think there's any in between. I don't think there's a happy medium. I don't think it's like he comes back and he's a podium threat sometimes, but then he's fifth a lot of the time. I just don't think he'll be willing to do that. Like he could. I don't think it's out of the scope of his possibility. I just don't think he's willing to do that. So we'll see if I'm right or wrong. Uh, but yeah, this, that was a timely question with breaking news on Mark. And uh, so I just wanted to cover that. So thank you, Billy. I'll reach out and uh, get you dialed in with ProGlo and... Uh, Congratulations on winning the uh, ProGlow question of the week, and you'll get the ProGlow prize pack. So that's it for this week. Uh, we will be back next weekend after Hangtown. I'm going to try to do a little MotoGP update and, and MXGP update this week, too, if I have time. It'll be shorter. But, um, yeah, I owe it to you guys to, uh, to try to cover all the racing. So thank you again to all the sponsors of this podcast, and we will talk to you next time. See you. Stay